it was just that notion of diversity that was the last um, piece to the puzzle was actually bringing in, I mean, I had a lot of, of um, I guess, like healthy salad and vegetable food with my meats when I was eating it, but I wasn't eating, I was probably only eating the five different types of veggies, whatever I grabbed, I just keep on eating them through the week rather than having this, like, you know, nice big mm. garden of things in my, in my fridge to, to essentially kind of like, um, help replant the gut garden you know yeah. so yeah um it was all about diversity you know eating um as many different live fresh plants as, as possible and 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 really i wouldn't say i mean i i train i i'm active um you know i would say that protein now is a fairly inconsequential focus of my diet which a lot of people feel um, they're really confused by because sometimes I can, you know, in the environments that I've been working in, people will say to me, like, what do you, what do you do? How do you stay so strong? Like you're muscly, right? And the question is always about protein, yeah. you know, but there's no fiber in protein and, and getting, getting to the fiber thing that it makes me, um, it just makes me kick myself for all those years that I struggled so hard with this, this problem. It, at university, first, second, third year, all of those those years that I was studying nutrition, they were they were saying the same thing back then. I know. Eat fiber, you know. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am Nicolette Richet, your host. And if you have never listened to this podcast before, if this is the first episode that you are listening. To, I encourage you to go back to the hundred plus podcasts, choose any one of them, and you will be able to hear from some of the best researchers, scientists, doctors in the world, all about plant-based nutrition. Now you can also listen to the episodes of my previous clients that have used food as medicine to reverse their advanced chronic diseases and listen to these episodes because you will learn everything about the decisions they made to go down this path, how they were able to say no finally to all the prescription medications, to upcoming upcoming surgeries. Definitely go back to France's podcast. Uh, she had full-blown endometriosis surgery and drugs were not working. Her endometriosis came, endometriosis came back and she said enough is enough. She then reversed her endometriosis and she has been disease-free ever since. And that was more than seven or eight years ago. You'll hear, hear stories about like Zoe's story who has been able to reverse all her symptoms of cystic fibrosis. You can listen to stories of individuals that had cancer and diabetes and heart disease and uh, and and so many more conditions. So if you know of somebody that has completely reversed their advanced stage chronic degenerative illness using food as medicine, we would love to interview them on our show. And if you are somebody that is suffering from a chronic disease, I encourage you to please reach out to us. We have two methods to help you learn how to reverse your chronic disease one being our Eat Real to Heal online program that over six weeks teaches you everything you need to know and gives you the skills to be able to implement a chronic disease reversing lifestyle into your household, not just for you, but your family, your kids, 
so that you can successfully reverse your chronic disease and heal and get back to just living the life that you've always wanted. So let's jump into this show today. Today we have Demelza Clay on our show. And Demelza is a nutritionist and she has a bachelor's in applied science in sports science. And she's also an ICF accredited coach specializing in health and leadership. She has spent the first 20 years of her career as an elite alpine ski coach, a heli ski guide and a surf guide. And Demelza has lived all over the world in the process. She's decided to get into the health consulting and coaching space after having a breakthrough with her own health. She suffered lifelong struggle with chronic acne, adult acne, and she finally found the solution at 40 years old when she went completely plant-based and focused on healing her gut first. So after all the fad diets, the skin treatments, the doctors peddling snake oils and promoting prescription drugs and and everything else you can possibly imagine, well, this situation also started to affect her mental health. So let's dive into this podcast so you can learn all about Demelza's journey in healing her adult acne, in healing her gut, and also healing her mental health. Now, as many of you know, mental health disorders, mood disorders, and other conditions related to the health or, or related to our mind and our mental state is directly linked to your gut. But unfortunately, not a lot of people know this. And so the way to heal yourself from mental health disorders like depression and anxiety and panic attack disorders, even bipolar, I've worked with clients that have bipolar disorder, we can heal people, we can heal their brain, we can heal their body, we can heal their whole. And when I say we, I mean, it's my clients really doing all of the work, but you first have to learn how to use food as medicine to do that. There are too many fad diets out there. To, you know, there's too many people selling supplements and trying to lead with supplement supplements first. And I'm here to tell you that that is not the path to reversing your chronic diseases. Yes, supplements are really, really important, but only to restore the nutritional deficiencies when you cannot get the nutrients through food. So we always have to lead with food first. So let's dive into this amazing podcast and you are going to learn so much with Demelza. I'm super excited to have her on the show and you know what to do, folks. If you know somebody out there who is suffering from a mental health condition, gut health conditions and acne, please forward this podcast on to them. So let's dive in and I'll see you at the end of the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Nicolette Richet, and on today's show, we have Demelza Clay. Welcome to the show, Demelza. Thank you very much, Nicolette. So you're off in beautiful Okanagan, British Columbia, Canada. Yes. Yeah, gorgeous part of the world that has amazing food growing all around you. Oh, yeah, amazing food. Yes, amazing mountains. It, it's that we have summer here, a little different to the summer out on the coast from when I was living there years ago. But 
yeah it's gorgeous this time of year yeah I know the Okanagan is amazing my parents used to bring us there when we were little and we would camp there and go collect peaches from the farms and oh it just so many good memories around beautiful farm food in that area I just love the Okanagan yeah so I'm quite jealous because it's yeah. almost like going to a tropical place in Canada if anybody has not been to beautiful Okanagan BC then it is definitely a place to visit the next time you're out here True, too true. And, you know, I actually um, was essentially sort of stranded here when the pandemic happened. That's how I came to to eventually sort of settle down here. And people, I'd been through many years before, but people would be calling it the, the California of Canada. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. I can, I can do that because I'm a, um, well, you know, ocean motivated uh, woman at the best of times and there's just so much to do here the minute mm -hmm. we finish skiing we're biking or we're climbing or we're ski touring or we're on the lake surfing yeah. um, which does enough to, to kill the bug that's for sure but yeah yeah because you grew up as you surfing as well didn't you yeah I mean I actually grew up skiing we, we had a farm located about two hours from Mount Hotham in Australia which is one of the big five ski resorts down there and and we were very lucky Aussie families we always spend a lot of time at the uh, by the sea so yeah the oceanic um, lifestyle was still part of it I was on a farm oh. as well and so but definitely now towards the last, I guess, 10, 15 years of my career, the ocean has very much taken over my, my mountain life. But yeah, that's good. amazing. Yeah, that's one thing I love about British Columbia is we can almost do everything here. Yep. The terrain across BC is phenomenal, but much like Australia yep. is too, there's so much to do. So let's dive into your healing hero story because you have an interesting journey, which I find quite fascinating in that you were trained in nutrition, but didn't necessarily turn to nutrition for your own personal health until much later. So you have a story that really a lot of people who are listening here could probably relate to, whether it's themselves or whether it's their children, but you suffered for a long time from acne. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, no, I did. And I guess um, it's easy to talk about it now yeah. that it's, it's gone, but during those years, and it was sort of like a really big roller coaster for many years. It was something that I think there needs to be more people talking about skin health because yeah. it's sort of, I found even amongst my family, um, and all for the best reasons, it was something that people couldn't broach with me. And obviously, it was as plain as the, as the nose on my yeah. face, the problem that was going on. And, and it got very chronic um at one stage and and I remember even even my family they would sort of look at me and they kind of reach out you could tell they sort of wanted to say something you know yeah. are you okay and I really wasn't okay um and it wasn't until I broke down and finally said oh look I really need to help a hand with this because I've tried everything everything um and when did it the one first last thing. And when did it first start for you? Like where as a teenager or was it so, later adult onset? Yeah, I mean, like cut a long story short, never had acne as a teenager. Um, and it probably started in my early 20s. But by that stage, and this is what I realized like 20 years later, I had had, I don't even know how many courses of antibiotics mm -hmm. every year. 
So I had my tonsils taken out at 26. And at the time I went to, to boarding school from um, years nine through 12. So whenever you got sick, they would just send you straight off to the doctor. And normally, I mean, maybe if my if my parents were able to be there with me, mm-hmm. they would have asked more questions and, hey, you know, can we, um, you know, does she have to have the antibiotics this time? Can, can she just stay at home and have two weeks rest or something? But um, back then it was, get the antibiotics, go into the infirmary and hang out on my own for, um, oh, we've got a kitten here, uh, for for uh, four days and get me straight back into school as quick as possible. And, 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 you know, without pointing a finger of blame or anything, that was just the system. And this was yeah. in the late 90s and people weren't asking those questions about antibiotics back then. So I think by the time my early 20s came and I was, you know, I was at university and we were partying and then I got into the ski industry and yeah. there was just, it just never quite really went away. And there would always be, um, you know, some outbreaks that were cyclical. I was on the contraceptive pill until I couldn't take that anymore. Um, about 10 years later, I had, ugh, I had all of the pigmentation issues with that. Um, you name a skin condition, I think I've had it. <laughs> wow. And and when all of this started as well, like where who were you reaching out to for help? Dermatologists, you know, did you think it was I, I'd like to learn more about that? And yeah, and, so nutrition did not come into it until much later. It didn't, no. Yeah. And I like my major was nutrition, sports nutrition and biomechanics. I did a, a sports science degree. Uh, I think you guys would call it kinesiology here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um I just went to my doctor, you know, and and our system in Australia is that because I was moving around so much, I never really had a family doctor. And so I just knew the clinics that I could go to in between my because I was living six months a year in Australia and six months a year in, in Colorado by this stage. So I would be seeing any number of physicians and I would, in their defense, I'd walk in saying, I need a prescription, please. This is what I need. Yeah. Cause I would start taking this drug and the skin condition would sort of, and it wasn't really bad then it was just, I just had acne through my twenties and I felt like I shouldn't. And these, mm-hmm. these drugs I thought were going to um, help with that. But I actually didn't even realize that it was an antibiotic. I mean, this was when the internet was emerging. People sort of were using email. (laughs) And I mean, Google, or there was no Google back then, but the internet was like a random, you know, page generator. So I definitely blame myself as well for the ignorance and just not actually researching like we would nowadays with all the things but we have this implicit trust with our physicians right and now our doctors and I think that yeah yeah. and it's all and I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to say we're still in the era where we put doctors on a pedestal as though they know everything and as though Mm. they're going to make the best decision for you out of the spectrum of all opportunities that could be available to you for your health. So for example, you know, you could have 10 different people come in all with the same condition and one might treat it with herbs or homeopathy or vitamins and supplements and nutrients and diet or medication or surgery. Like there's this whole plethora and we put our doctors on a pedestal thinking that they're going to make the best decision for us. When at the end of the day, the doctor is there to A, you know, if you want a drug, they will give you a drug because that's what Mm. they're trained in, you know, knowing how to do. So I think it's really important that people take responsibility 
for themselves, which no one was ever taught on how to develop a really healthy relationship with your doctor. It was like, no, you go to the doctor for all the answers and you go home. Right. Absolutely. So I love that you did bring that up and that you are taking responsibility. Cause I think if, I mean, we could wrap up this show right now and be like, this is the main lesson here. Done. That's it. That's- yeah. This is what everyone needs to know. Take responsibility for yourself and stop putting it on your doctor. If you're in a car accident and you can't speak for yourself, of course, your doctor is going to, you know, take action to save your life. But when mm-hmm. it comes to these chronic health conditions, people, you got to do some work. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, in their defense, doctors are under the pump, you know, yeah, they're trying totally. to deal with a, a, you know, a healthcare system, which it's, it's a little different in Australia, but they're still, they're busy. And yeah. once I did finally decide to dig into my own um, and trust my own level of knowledge and expertise. And at least, I mean, I, I, I know how to read a study. Mm-hmm. I started, you know, doing the thing that you do. And so that's when, um, I finally decided to trust myself and do the research, but you know, that's when you also realize, hang on a second, doctors have probably done less units of study on nutrition that I have as an undergrad. Totally. hundred percent. Yeah. Doctors get about one to four hours on average of nutrition training in eight to 10 years of med school. Yeah. Like one to four hours and some none. Exactly. And in some schools (laughs) they're trying to lower that. So it's important that people understand that. And also I even find a lot of nutritionists that I teach and a lot of doctors and physicians that I teach, um, even though they, they'll specialize in something, but they don't always think about the body as a complete uh, whole system mm-hmm. in relationship to their environment, which is a mm-hmm. complete whole system, which together is still one complete system. And without that, then we can think of the skin as being the separate entity that we need to treat differently than we treat the liver or the other mm-hmm. organs. And so this part I find also then slows down our ability to find a solution towards a lot of health, health Absolutely. issues that are out there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's not as though we have like the food processing division and the movement division of the body and the thinking division. And the know? sleeping. Everybody's just like, oh, just sleep well and you'll be better. Or just drink a juice and you'll be better. I'm like, it doesn't work that way, people. It's a complete system yeah. and we need to address it. So, mm-hmm. okay. So you had been given all of these um, antibiotics throughout school and medications and like the quick fix, like let's get her better, get back in. And so by the time you're 20, which people need to understand, like, when you're young, you can get by with, you know, minimal nutrition, but then you hit (laughs) 20 and drinking and stress and um, working hard. And if you have a system that's on the cusp, guaranteed, it will most likely break down in your 20s. Absolutely. So, I mean, I was one of those people that was always um, probably considered pretty athletic. I identified as an athlete. I identified as a healthy person too, which when um, it became vastly obvious that my health wasn't good, it really did mess with my mental health. But yeah, I think it was minocycline or minomycin. I can't remember. It's one of the tetracycline drugs that I took for a really long time. I never did Roaccutane, pardon me. Mm. Um, I was, I'd been to see dermatologists to answer your question. I did eventually go. I went to see um, cosmetic 
physicians, all sorts of people that were all the people that do laser and all of the sort of skin treatments. And a lot of them just said to me, look, you've got acne skin and you're always going to have acne. So if you want to solve the problem, you need to take this drug. And I had another couple of friends from school actually that had done that. And I just thought to myself, there's no way, <laughs> like I'm, I, I train, I'm, you know, I, I felt like, you know, the, the common um, approach at the time and the diet, I was a fairly big meat eater, but I ate the healthy meats and yeah. I, you know, grew up on a farm. So I had that whole identity of um, that being okay. And, and Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess I just sort of got to the point where I, I decided I wasn't going to to do any more of these drugs, you know, because uh -huh. I had to get off birth control. I had to get off all these other things. And I just wanted, I, I was taking steroid creams at one point. I had perioral dermatitis. I had, which is kind of linked to acne in a way. There was rosacea, um, you know, and because I'm out in the elements a lot at this uh, stage, I'd, I'd finished my undergrad and I got involved in the ski industry and that mm. became a, well, I just thought I'd do a couple of seasons, but 15, 16, 20 years later, I'm still, and I did a lot of back-to-back -back seasons. So of course my yeah. face was getting a lot of exposure to the elements. Um, and, and with that, I think there's a a two-pronged situation going on you've got whatever's going on in your gut which I then mm -hmm. at the end of it all the victory story was I got on top of that um but then there is actually a physical condition living up there in your skin that no amount of healthy eating and what have you can actually um address so mm -hmm. yeah so tell us more about that because I always um at the beginning workshops I love teaching people about how we have you know little spiders living in our skin and every dermatologist studies this but most people have no idea so let's talk a little bit more what yeah. did you learn about that well going going being so when I first got involved with this whole movement the thing for me being a farm girl <laughs> was the whole vegan thing I mean there is a lot about the vegan movement these days that I that really resonates with me and I and I when people say to me are you vegan I'm not I'm plant-based and I'm mostly around probably between five to ten percent I might eat I eat more fish than anything mm. um especially when I'm traveling and I can't get my hands on on protein sources but um I had gone through I guess just to cut a long story, I'd been to naturopaths, I'd been to doctors that specialized in skin conditions. I was taking an obscene amount of zinc and copper at one point because my levels were weird. I had all these blood tests. Um, and then I doubled down on the whole paleo thing. So I, I do train, I'm involved with the CrossFit community um, to a level just because it's convenient. But I kind of got gluten-free. Oh, it's going to be gluten-free. You know, that's the problem. <clears throat> And so, pardon me, I eventually, I think eating all of those um, high protein, high animal protein sources eventually just tipped the scale over the edge. And my it, it got from pretty bad to extremely bad. So mm -hmm. I would wake up in the morning, there'd be, um, you know, new spots every single day. I had them in my elbows here. I was going through a bit of a stressful time. And my one girlfriend who... Um, we trained together. She is German. She's a good, beautiful girl. Um, and she said, Melzi, why, why don't you go check out this gut health thing? You know, I think this might be good for you. And of course, I've always been quite keyed into um, 
what's going on in health um, outside of what I was doing in my career. And I just kind of knew that going vegan was really the only thing I hadn't tried. Mm. Cutting out all the meat was the only thing I hadn't tried, but I hadn't given it any thought or research or really I had a lot of prejudices about how I needed meat and and all these things. So I really had to break down I really had to change my own thinking and break down all of those um, barriers for me just being able to drop it and give it a try. And really, pardon me, by this stage, I was so desperate. My, um, you know, my mental health was in the toilet. I couldn't, I couldn't look at people in the eye anymore, you know, and working in the ski industry was kind of convenient because I could keep the bottom half of my face kind of covered up sometimes you know and but being in these environments you know I sort of felt the need to like you know cover up these these spots on my face these lesions almost these things that were just living in there permanently they'd never go away so anyway I had you know um a pretty challenging time depression anxiety was was massive in my life at that stage and it wasn't until I was on a surf trip in in the uh, the Mentawai and I was doing a bit of private surf coaching with a gentleman down there and I actually um, cut my face open with a with a surfboard fin. I had thirteen stitches down down here. <laughs> Can't remember the side. And I just thought, all right, well, this is it. So now I've got a massive scar on my face. I'm covered in pimples. Um, I think I was single at that point, <laughs> you know, and especially <laughs> in this day and age when I think women especially are expected to be, you know, quite perfect and especially mm-hmm. women in sports and women in the um, outdoor industry, we're still supposed to be, you know, I just thought, okay, well, I guess that's it then. <laughs> Well, Say goodbye to being beautiful because I had I had this, uh, he was a chef and a school teacher, basically sutured up my face. You could see my teeth hanging out from this little scratch here or this, this massive uh, cut. Wow. But I had started cutting out all the meat at that stage. And so I got home, I was in between seasons, I took a break and I thought, this is, this is my only chance. This is the only thing I haven't tried. I'm I'm ready just to like crawl into a hole and never come out. Mm-hmm. And um, so I basically decided to go 100% vegan for six months, which was probably um, a tough way to go about it, as you know, cold turkey. Um, and some people can do that, and and some people can't. But and then what I also did was I um, connected with a group in Australia who basically have um, a treatment where they get in there with this little needle and it's like a cell, it's an ablation. So they go yeah. in there and they actually um, kill the overactive sebum um, cells or the sebum pores essentially. And that was that was amazing. So that sort of got rid of the infection that had been living there for a long time. But then um, I, I just started researching gut health and I just got maniacal with it and of course um everything I was listening to all the people that I was following everything from you know Zach Bush and mm-hmm. and uh, Rich Roll's been a great uh, conduit for all of that and 
and then I then I just hit the books and I got back into a lot of the science that's going on in this world of gut health and I decided everything I do from now on everything I put in my mouth is going to be um I'm just going to approach my health through the lens of gut health and so let's let's dive into that a little bit more because um for people to understand the relationship between their gut and mental health, we've done a lot of shows on this podcast where we talk about the, the gut brain access and mm-hmm. how it's really important that our gut health is optimal because we create more than 95% of our dopamine and serotonin in our large intestine through the bacteria in our large intestine. Mm-hmm. And that gets absorbed by the brain. And those are your feel good hormones. So that relationship is hard. Like it is in the it's in the medical literature like we cannot Mm. deny that and in the last 10 years it's like every day I can't remember how many hundreds of studies are coming out every single day on gut brain health so this is in the medical literature but what's not in the medical literature as um it's not as prolific is the relationship between gut health and acne so what I would love for you to do is paint that picture for people because I know that Mm people really, it's important that our listeners understand this because Mm -hmm. your gut health really, it's responsible for absolutely everything, but let's just talk about it in relationship to acne, especially because we have these shows that are on television. My daughter just started watching one. She's 15 years old. My kids have perfect skin. They've eaten plant-based mostly their whole life. Um, But she's watching the show where this one kid has very, very, very um, progressive advanced acne and they throw everything in the kitchen sink at it. And diet is literally like, Mm -hmm. they don't mention gut health, you know, they talk about not eating dairy and not eating gluten, but, but it goes much deeper than that. And so, but they don't touch on it. And this is sad because it's 2022 and this is what 15 year old kids are watching. So what are they going to do? They're going to save up their money and they're going to pay the tens of thousands of dollars for acne treatment, which in this kid's case, it didn't work. Yeah. Right. It I was worked a little bit. It, li- it worked a little bit. So if you can yeah. paint that picture for people so they, they really understand the science behind this, that would be great. Well, I mean, I was broke trying to treat my skin. I was stone cold broke. I just couldn't put right. any more money into it. But look, essentially, um, you know, without having any solid testing and evidence to tell you exactly what was going on but understanding everything I read resonated with me on such a um a deep level so um you know I probably had a fairly advanced case of leaky gut Mm -hmm. um and and without going in there and getting diagnoses or anything I just I just you know essentially I would have been suffering from a pretty fantastic case of dysbiosis which is that um, that degradation of the um, of the the biodiversity in our gut. So just the same as you know, now we're starting to talk about biodiversity in our in nature and in our gardens. Um, because we realize that our, our soil is lacking uh, biodiversity, exactly the same thing is happening in our gut. So once, so essentially I didn't have um, as, 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 as many of um, different, different strains of microbiota in my gut as what I needed. And without going into and, and diving into specifics and going, okay, well, which specific one do I need to ingest? And should I get a probiotic? And, yeah. and we'll talk about those in a little second, but um, I just essentially approached it by going with the most 
plant-based diverse diet that I could possibly muster. It was all about eating as many different plants as possible, plant-based proteins, um, using lots of herbs, um, obviously alcohol, cutting back on all of those is a huge so, part. So hold on one second. Yeah. You, you said the word, the magic word. Everybody wants to ask me about this all the time. Where do I get yeah. my protein from? So when you say plant-based protein, are you talking about whole food <laughs> plant-based yes. proteins you're not talking about like a shake in a jar at the oh, no. gym okay good so <laughs> no, so no. this is how we have to be as nutritionists yeah. and as people in the world of teaching people about whole food plant-based like it's so important um that we really get specific on this because mm -hmm. you know like we talk about salt everybody thinks like let's put himalayan crystal salt over everything if we talk about sugar people are like i'm not eating fruit anymore because it's got so much sugar you know and if we talk about protein people like so many people are like oh i'm gonna run out and buy these protein packs and protein shakes and protein everything and man it's... We're protein obsessed. We're protein yes. obsessed because it's the only thing we've been taught to pay attention to. So 97% of us are protein deficient. And however, I think 100% of us have two times more protein than what we actually need in our diet. So yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky because I already did eat tofu and tempeh and, yeah. and things like that. Um, I'm probably, you know, my bean game and my pulses and all those uh, legumes, that um, part of my of, of, of cooking I was never exposed to you know in Australia I had the typical meat and tree veg kind of upbringing so I did I definitely learned a lot but yeah you know protein as a macronutrient comes from plants you know the strongest animals in the world um, the gorilla the cow that we eat you know they get their protein from plants um, and so yeah there's a there's I don't want to have a conversation of demonizing meat and how you know I think there's a that's that's not really the conversation I want to get into because I think people get very triggered by that um and I think a little tiny bit of meat here and there is definitely not going to hurt anyone but at the levels yeah. that we're eating it now compared to what we were 100 years ago or yeah. 200 years ago using um or enjoying meat as a celebratory food I just decided to go back to that. So I was really inspired by the Blue Zones cultures. Good. I was really inspired by Dr. Will Bulsowitz's work. And really, it was just that notion of diversity that was the last um, piece to the puzzle was actually bringing in. I mean, I had a lot of, of um, I guess, like healthy salad and vegetable food with my meats when I was eating it. But I wasn't eating, I was probably only eating the five different types of veggies, whatever I grabbed, I just keep on eating them through the week rather than having this like, you know, nice big mm. garden of things in my in my fridge to to essentially kind of like um help replant the gut garden, you know. Yeah. So yeah, um it was all about diversity, you know, eating um as many different live, fresh plants as as possible and 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 really. I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I train, I, I'm active, um, you know, I would say that protein now is a fairly inconsequential focus of my diet, which a lot of people feel um, they're really confused by because sometimes I can, you know, in the environments that I've been working in, people will say to me, like, what do you, what do you do? How do you stay so strong? Like you're muscly, right? And the question is always about protein, yeah. you know, but there's no fiber in protein and, and getting, getting to the fiber thing that it makes me, um, it just makes me kick myself for all those years that I struggled so hard with this, this problem. 
at university, first, second, third year, all of those those years that I was studying nutrition, they were they were saying the same thing back then. I know. Eat fiber. You know yeah. why? You know, and and the problems that we're experiencing back then. This is kind of like around the time of the packaged food or the ultra processed packaged food mm-hmm. um, revolution, I guess. And this is when marketing of these foods was really just starting to kind of ramp up but the the message back then was was fiber and then once I finally started understanding that on a deeper level as well bringing it in and feeling the difference in my own diet I was just like you know a lot a lot has changed in nutrition but also not a lot has changed as well it's still just the same same. nuts and bolts so you think about the way our grandparents were eating or or their grandparents right so well and this is the part where you know when I anytime we put out a podcast or we put out a show or if we write a book or teach a course it's incredible how we have to break it down so simply for our listeners and our readers because of the fact that we have been saying the same thing like for mm-hmm. hundreds of years I mean mm-hmm. anybody in any indigenous culture from anywhere in the world knows you mm-hmm. eat the plants and like you said that if you're going to get a meat-based protein it's usually eaten very sparingly and it's usually Mm -hmm. for celebration somebody's funeral somebody's Mm -hmm. wedding it might be more bone broths and like shredded meat in a dish but predominantly Mm -hmm. it is all beans whole grains whole Mm -hmm. vegetables and that is full protein like you don't need to even add the the meat to make it a complete protein Mm -hmm. but this is where we live in a world where and again because we look to others to tell us things instead of just, you know, I mean, we're all taught this in basic biology and first year university, mm-hmm. you know, plants, carrots, romaine, lettuce, peppers, mm-hmm. it's all ch- it's chocked full of protein. Mm-hmm. You mix it with some beans and a whole grain rice or quinoa, it's protein, but mm-hmm. everybody has been made to think because of this interesting and very <clears throat> manipulative marketing, food marketing world that the only place you can get protein is from meat. But yes. then if you, and you can get protein from there, of course you can, but then you don't get the fiber. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to be fair to, I, I feel very compassionate towards people out there who are struggling with their health that don't have a background in, mm-hmm. in nutrition or anything really. They're learning about health from marketing. Yeah, they're learning. 100%. They're learning about health from the back of their cereal box. Yeah, they're learning about health from um, the uh, what do you call it? Industry-sponsored science that's out there. Yeah, you know where there is a little bit of an agenda going on. You know, we get we get it hammered through us. You know, yeah. real men eat meat. You know, because they need to be strong, and so um, or just fortified. Even just yeah. the word fortified, like fortified with vitamin B and fortified with fiber and fortified and, but people don't understand fortified means you're eating yeah. cardboard that has had the food industry has had to replace with, you know, add so many nutrients to it just to even make it, you know. Yeah. And I, food. and I try and stay away from sort of conspiratorial look, there's definitely stuff going down in the food industry, right? We know that, but um, I think that they're just trying to make sales. That's you it. know, we're living yeah. in a capitalist world everyone all of the industries out there whether it be dairy which is in decline mm-hmm. you know all of the the sectors they're all just trying to maintain their share of stomach 
exactly. you know, or they share a plate. And that's how they refer to what gets put into our mouths every single week. And they're going to spend a lot of money on marketing, a lot of money on neuroscientists who know how to engage change. Yeah. They're going to spend a lot of money on people who are very good at putting together things that, you know, how many times have you watched an ad before on television and gone, oh my gosh, gee, that, I, I wouldn't eat a bucket of KFC right now if you mm-hmm. pay me. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yep. you see sometimes, you know, and uh, I think the important message that I always try to hammer home, I'm sorry, that's the kittens. No worries. <laughs> that the important message that I try to hammer home with people who are, they're on the precipice, they know they need to change. And just like me, in this exact same spot, I was like, oh, am I never going to be able to have like even just a couple bites of steak again? Oh my Mm. God. Like being a vegan, like, you know, and even just the label, you know, being a vegan or what have you, but it's not about absolutes. It's not about going from one extreme to the other. You know, if you want to have wings with your mates and a, and a, and a, a beer or whatever you've been doing your whole life, first of all, the first question is, do you need to have as much of it? Yeah. Well, definitely not, you know, but a lot of people get very overwhelmed because they feel like these things are going to be taken away from them, Mm -hmm. you know, and food is very cultural. It's very personal. You know, the way we eat, it's, it's attached to family memories. Mm -hmm. It's uh, our travels, you know, um, our, our cultural heritage. So, and our geography in many ways, like what can we actually get? in certain um, parts of the world. So people get very triggered when they are um, faced with the notion of you're going to have to shift some of these habits of yours. And they're very, you know, eating is a very habitual, you know, we we call it in neuroscience, it's a limbic thinking kind of um, uh, preference, right? So what we tend to to do with people is we want to try and dig down into those um, limbic habits and just ask the right questions to help people unpack exactly why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it still serving them? What might they be able to change? And the change always comes in these little tiny micro units, you know, of things that they can just layer on every day, every week. Yeah. Or they hit rock bottom. Like, you know, like you said, I've spent every last dollar on trying to get this treated and your mental health is at a place where you're just like, this is, you know, you know, how do I do this? You know, do I just crawl up in a hole? And that's what I tend to find is that um, in this day and age, we're so lucky because we have this wealth of knowledge, but sometimes it's just too much information to also weed through then, you know, so you can, you can definitely, you know, get in touch with the right person who's going to share hopefully the right knowledge with you, but Mm -hmm. in the world of nutrition as well, I mean, nutritionists graduate and they'll, you know, they can, depending who you get, they can be teaching you how to eat keto or paleo or, or, you know, tell someone, well, you know, you feel, you're going to feel better if you just eat chicken and eggs. I have many clients that come to mm-hmm. me, chicken, eggs, and cucumber, just eat that. Yeah. And that's and the only thing. or something. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to, um, you know, so there's a lot of information to weed through, but then on the other side as well is, um, the information is very complicated mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's important, you know, for somebody to, or the other option I was going to say is that you do hit rock bottom and where you go, yeah. you know what, then I'm ready to throw in the towel, try anything, yeah. be drastic with it. And well, in the case that you did until it's almost like, uh, 
you know, process of elimination. This is not working. This is not working. This is not working. And this finally works. Exactly. And I think the thing that I, um, that I think that all of us as health professionals are obviously, most of us are very aware of this. However, some, some people aren't. And those mm-hmm. that are looking for solutions, sometimes they're in a state of fight and flight. They're desperate. Mm-hmm. You know, they are not thinking straight. And so when I come back to my own little journey there, like, look, I, I had an education. I could have I could have dug a little deeper or asked better questions, but, you know, but I was busy. You know, I was flying all around the world and I didn't have very good um, mentoring myself at that time. Like I didn't, and I don't know, I definitely, I asked people. I went to naturopaths. I went to um, all sorts of different doctors and they all gave me very conflicting advice. Yeah. Um, and I think when people are in a really deep state of shame mm-hmm. with their with their body, this vehicle that carries them around, they do some crazy stuff. You know, I did yeah. some crazy stuff. <laughs> I did some like, I didn't want to talk about it. We don't have time, but like, you know, the number of things that I thought, oh, well, I'll just give it a go. Mm-hmm. you know because you're you're desperate right yeah and then by the time I really started to formulate the the thing and the the, the end story of the, the skin issue was that I started putting on weight mm-hmm. so this is you know the person who's always been considered I guess I've got an ectomorphy um somatotype but I think as you know, I mean, as an indication of just how poor my gut health was, and this is, you know, metabolism of a racehorse woman over here, I started putting on weight and I couldn't get it off. Mm. So I was like exercising maniacally. I'm, you know, my skin was, you know, I would just first thing in the morning, I would touch my face just to try and find out what else had like, you know, I'd eat something yeah. and I could feel the the lesion starting to fill for lack of a better term. So I went to Sri Lanka and I did an Ayurvedic cleanse. Mm. And they said to me, your gut is, is there's something wrong with your gut. And this was like, I was right in Sri Lanka. Like they weren't speaking a lot of English there. And it was like one of those really traditional ones. But I started taking things that were the same, uh, common um, pieces of advice and denominators out of some of these different systems and I, I I went traditional I went western and everything and so they said to me you know you need to eat just really lightly cooked vegetables don't eat any more meat you know um don't eat like a kale salad is the worst thing you could eat exactly. you know and everyone's saying that kale is you know the superfood so you know I did I had to start treating my gut like this little baby that didn't have any teeth you know I had to basically feed myself like an old person um, with lots of different nutritious foods just so that I could give my gut a little rest from having to do all this heavy heavy lifting all the time so I also went to see an amazing osteopath I had an issue going on with my right foot I couldn't train and I was um it was almost like a a nerve thing and and there was all the other stuff going on and he was an American man who laid me down on the table I walked in limping and he actually ended up doing a bunch of craniosacral work on me and I'm look I'm I'm open to anything at that stage I would have done anything and I walked out of that place without limping but before I, I left he did a whole bunch of work on my around my stomach and he said to me it's your gut he said your gut is what 
the problem is. And we didn't go into, he didn't say anything about gut health or your microbiome or anything like that. So I really had to sort of piece together um, uh, all the elements, I guess, that I'd been, you know, and I think a lot of people have these issues, you know, you speak to people here and there about their health and they've got this big, long story full of um, different chapters where they've tried this and it didn't work and they've tried that and they just get into analysis paralysis and then once you're there you know you you basically are disempowered and then you just stop you stop trying you know and I think when it comes to weight loss and people who are dealing with all sorts of I mean weight is is kind of like the downstream symptom or or, uh um consequence that happens from especially gut health being so poor but that seems to be the the vehicle with which most people come to me it's like well I'm really overweight and it's like well tell me what else is is going on it's like well I haven't actually had a bowel movement for four days and I usually take two a week yeah yeah (laughs) we were just yeah I was just chatting about this with my friend who's been visiting and um and yeah, because she's been, you know, she turned to a fully plant-based whole food diet. She's mm. in the Canadian military. She's outperforming all her peers physically. She's been in the military for 20 plus years. Um, and it's the first time like she's never been as fit and as strong. Mm. And so then of course her peers are looking at her saying like, what is it that you're doing? And she's like, I'm mm. eating lots of vegetables and, yeah. um, you know, plant-based whole food diet. And so we were chatting about it, but of course she's now getting all the questions because everybody's wants to pick her brain. Like, you know, mm. where does the protein come from? What about the fat in the food? Like, don't we have to have lots mm. of salt on things, et cetera, et cetera. And so now she's been faced with these questions, but yeah, the stories she's hearing from people. So she's getting it firsthand and she's not a nutritionist, but she's hearing the stories. And one of the things we just talked about mm. how some people are coming to her being like, I go to the bathroom eight times a day. And I don't go to the bathroom more than twice a week or sometimes even once a week. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's been interesting because I've collected data on thousands and thousands of people over the last 15 years and the common denominator, the Mm. common, 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 common denominator is gut health. Are people who have not had a lot of fiber in their life, taking lots of antibiotics um, and, you know, to the point where I think like your osteopath you probably walked in and because he's seen it a million times over, mm-hmm. he also knows it's gut health mm-hmm. just by touching your skin, looking at your skin, you know, it can be from smelling up somebody's breath. It can be from feeling mm-hmm. their hair. Like your, your body will tell you exactly what state of health you're in. Um, yeah. And, and it's just there in front of you. And yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's Western medicine, Eastern medicine, they all say the exact same thing. It's your yep. liver. And it's your gut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The liver. What is it now? They're talking about. It used to be all about the gut brain access and access. And now they're sort of saying the gut brain liver. Yeah. Access. So yeah, there there is a lot of um, things that are lining up between more Western approaches and traditional approaches. Yeah. And having travelled, you know, a lot in my life and for my career, um, it's it's been. I just feel really excited actually because it's it just feels like there's this really um encouraging movement happening with with health even in the very short time I think I I started trying to cut meat I was living in Japan at the time good place to try and go um Mm -hmm. plant-based although they do love their meats there and they they are now as a culture having 
a blue zone in their in their uh, country but as a culture they're starting to move towards these massive cuts of meat and um so that's unfortunate and with but it, i don't think their blue zone is even a blue zone anymore they yeah. just yeah which i just was reading about that their yeah. lifespan is declining as a result of adopting more of this western high meat diet and exactly. packaged processed food high sodium high refined sugar yeah yeah, yeah. and uh i mean you know, so that that's where I and I think it must have been like 2014 or 15 is when I first started to really think, you know, I was considering for the first time, okay, I'm gonna have to start cutting out meat. I think that might be the only thing that I've I've not tried. Um and you know, depending on where you are in the world, that can be really difficult. I was living in Maldives at one point. I lived on a boat for eight months. I mean, I could hardly even get a fresh salad yeah <laughs> I mean fish is something that does agree with my gut a little more I don't think we should all be upping our fish intake but I think yeah. um you know a little bit here and there is is okay and there's an environmental um and you know oceanic health conversation in there as well but mm -hmm. that is the thing that usually sustains me when I'm traveling so and it's getting a whole lot easier I was in Nicaragua way down in the south of Nicaragua at the start of the year end of last year I was there 10 years ago as well and I found um sauerkraut kimchi I found a peanut butter that was alive it was a um a probiotic peanut butter somehow that some local uh expat person had made you know I was just down in in Mexico last week and you can definitely eat unhealthy in all those places yeah but if you look if you just spend some time looking things will pop out at you and even some things that are not necessarily new age you know but if you understand the concepts um, and and what fiber is and what fiber isn't mm -hmm. and and you'll find all sorts of things here and there that will help you eat in that way that you that you want to when you're traveling because we come up with all sorts of excuses too right so oh, I can't mm -hmm. do it yet because it's summer and or I can't do it now because I'm traveling and yeah yeah for, but for millions of years all of the I mean every single human on the planet yeah. ate plant-based with supplemented with mm -hmm. a little bit of meat if they could afford it or if they had access to it and if it was available it wasn't available readily available we didn't have industrialized farms a hundred years ago and so if you were rich you could afford like a you know a rack of lamb or but pro every human being on the entire planet mm -hmm. ate predominantly vegetables and people often say to me well what about the Inuit in northern Canada yeah they die 10 years on average earlier than the oh, rest yeah. of Canadians because they eat predominantly high fat animal-based diet and the only time when their death rate increases is during the really really cold winter months when they don't have access to all the sea vegetables and land mm -hmm. vegetables that they normally would be eating so mm -hmm. what happens is they be their bodies become hyperacidic and they have strokes so the, so that it, it shows you that the the demand for these phyto rich nutrient plant based um, you know mm. vegetables fruits whole grains everything pulses and legumes is so important. So when you made this switch, you started getting real fiber into your diet. Um, you started getting um, this abundance of nutrients. It was a diversity that came from all of these places. So your microbiome was not just being colonized by like three strains of probiotic that you buy at the grocery store, you know, so what happened to your skin at this point and your mental health? So, um, I didn't do any probiotics. 
I think I did some at the start, but I knew that they would just, they actually can hamper your gut health, as you know. Yeah. If Because, you know, the colonies that you have living in there, they're resistant sometimes to, out, to outside strains. So, you know, people often associate gut health to taking a probiotic. Oh, no, I'm yeah. good. No, no, I'm, I'm taking a probiotic. I'm fine. My doctor says I'm good, you know. Yeah. Well, so for myself, I, first of all, I had a huge amount of energy, you know, um, I had, um, I mean, I'm, I'm 43 now. So then I was in my late thirties, but I was just getting so sore in my joints. And, um, so yeah, those, those pustules and those bumps that lived permanently under my skin, some of them were being physically removed by that, that group I told you about. Um, and if anyone is in Australia and they want to know, we can put the links to those, these yeah. people in the, um, the show notes, but, um, so yeah, eventually when I was eating a meal, I'd wake up in the morning and my skin would feel flat versus wow. there being like, like braille. It was right. almost like braille on my skin, just a whole new series of bumps. And, and, uh, so that eventually started to, to really, um, change. And it was, it was, a, it, it happened. It took a while to, to get that infection out. It took a while to get, um, the scarring and the redness out. I didn't really do, I think I did a little bit of peeling just to sort of help that outer dermal layer. Um, I'd had a issue with anxiety for a while and I just sort of thought that it was just normal and, and um, that you just, one of those things you had to put up with. But after a while, eating this way, I just noticed I didn't have those. And for me, it was always when I started um, exercising. So it was like a response to fight and flight. My mm. brain would just be like, oh, okay, wait a second, we've got to run, what's going on? And so my heart would go at a million miles an hour for about 30 seconds. And I just, and I could be like paddling out on my longboard in a one foot swell. So it wasn't as though there was anything to be scared of. So those things really just started to, to calm down. And you know, the, the best thing, even if I had a couple bumps or a couple of, you know, pimples in there is that I started being able to look people right in the eye and flash mm. a big smile. And that was, I think the most rewarding thing, um, of, of that whole journey of the whole process. I remember, you know, watching so many women and people around me who had perfect skin and I, I'm not a makeup wearer and that's just you know my my deal and some people are and that's great too but I'd watch them put their makeup on every morning over the top of this just gorgeous radiant skin and they wanted it to look a certain tone or color and then the rouge would go on or whatever and I would just sit there going god I just would kill to walk around without makeup on um mm -hmm. like so, so many people choose not to but yeah, eventually that was my reality. I could start, even if it wasn't perfect, I could at least start. Um, I didn't feel like I had to cover it up all the time, which could present problems as well. But when it came to um, the choice between letting it all out, you know, if I'm out yeah. and about and just feeling a little bit better about myself and, and covering it up, sometimes I would do that. So, yeah. That's amazing. And it's, and it all goes together as well that, you know, the amount of energy that was probably being just lost from you as you're stressing about how to deal with this condition. Mm -hmm. Plus, like you had mentioned shame and as much as anybody out there, I mean, would 
you know, we don't want to fat shame anyone. We don't want to skin shame anyone. We don't want to, um, you know, for, for any reason, but, it, but the reality is you do wake up in the morning and you do look at your face in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And if every day you see something that you're like, okay, what is going on here? Why is this there? It's robbing your energy, trying to find a solution, having to do the research, trying to do all of these new things, whether you're spending money. So just to be able to clear that up, I imagine gave you like almost like a twofold energy boost because oh. now you're not being drained trying to find a solution to it was, this. It was massive. And, I, and there was still, you know, once once we get rid of these problems, you know, and I speak to people um, people that we work with who have like lost the weight. Um, some of the mental health problems that we had will catch up with us if we don't do the work. So that was, you know, a part of it as well. Um, just to really truly feel happy in my skin again, but the amount of time and energy I spent in front of a mirror, trying to either cover it up or, you know, treat it with these chemicals and, and, was just yeah it definitely robbed robbed me of of many many good years where I could have been a lot happier had I just been and and you know it's funny with things like um acne and skin conditions you know um psoriasis well that's more of an autoimmune but you know people have eczema and and there's certain things I think that we really play down as sort of not as as important. I remember some people, even in my family saying to me, look, it's only your skin. Don't worry about it so much. Mm-hmm. And they were just trying to sort of make me feel a little bit better, but it's just like, do you, do you want me to, why don't you jump inside this and walk yeah. around for a day and look at the pity on people's faces when they look at you and they just go, Oh, that poor girl. Like, yeah. and I see women, um, usually younger women, obviously, but there are, there are a lot of um, mature women with really, really bad skin. And that's an area that I'm moving into more as a coach. I want to connect with more of these people and help them understand some of the ingredients that need to go into their, into their, um, recovery. But I see women out there all the time and I just want to grab them by the hand and just, you know, Hey, can I, can I help you? I just mm. want to help you. I understand what it's like to be behind that mask that you have on right now. And it's just, it's a really, um, for me, I think, I don't think a lot of people understood how uh, deeply it was affecting me. It's something that I really just had to kind of um, internalize because, you know, you get a lot of people and maybe I think people who are dealing with their weight as well, they get the same message. Don't worry about it. You're beautiful inside. And it's like, you know, I'm miserable. I'm in pain. You know, I had inflammation everywhere, all through my neck. And, and it wasn't just, you know, having a few pimples for a couple of years. It was, it was, um, yeah. So but this is why I'm glad that you bring that up too, because this is for myself who have, you know, I've worked with, you know, thousands of people, hundreds of chronic diseases, everything from chronic acne, infertility, diabetes, heart disease, autoimmune disorders, mm-hmm. head to toe psoriasis, you know, like you name it. Um, I've worked with these conditions and now working with individuals who have genetic conditions that mm-hmm. prior to this, everyone told them, well, diet has nothing to do with it. And well, in fact, we're proving them wrong and we're, you know, getting ready to publish mm-hmm. papers with the fact that um, diet has everything to do with even genetic conditions. Mm-hmm. So 
when I see somebody who is overweight, when I see somebody who has acne, when I see somebody who has to take insulin injections, um, you know, other people might say, well, no, that's okay. And I look at it and I know there's underlying inflammation. And if you have underlying inflammation, you have underlying chronic pain in your joints. If you have underlying chronic pain, then you also have less ability to participate fully in life because mm -hmm. A, you're in chronic pain. B, you have chronic inflammation, which is also affecting for women, their menstrual cycle, because it mm -hmm. all goes together. So now every month they're dealing with PMS issues that they don't have to be dealing with. And so when I see somebody um, you know, with these conditions, you know, I, I don't just see a little bit of psoriasis and a little bit of eczema and other people need to understand it's not, it goes much deeper than that. It's also going to the chronic diarrhea, the chronic constipation. It mm -hmm. also goes then contributes to the migraines. It also goes to, I know that they have cupboards of medication that they're like, do I take this? I don't want to take it. It doesn't make me feel. So they're dealing with the side effects of the medication. Mm -hmm. On top of that, they probably have hair loss or excess hair growth in places that they don't want it. So when people say, you know what, it's okay to be overweight and it's okay. It's just a few pimples or acne on your face. And you know what, it's beautiful inside. That person is not feeling beautiful inside. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and, absolutely. and so we have to change this narrative and that, yes, we all need to love everybody in whatever state that they are in a hundred percent. It shouldn't change the way we love these individuals who have these chronic conditions going on, but we have to stop saying it's actually okay as well, because we live in a world of a chronic disease epidemic and people are in pain and they're hurting. Yeah. And the solution is actually very, very simple, but we're never going to get there. If we say that, you know what, just get over it. It's fine. Just a few no. pimples or just a few excess pounds. You know, yeah. we're never going to get there if we, if we actually try and normalize it. Yeah. And, and so well said, I mean, like this is, this is not about fat shaming, you know, no. and, and unfortunately we live in such a vocal environment, you know, in our, between our social media um, and, you know, everyone's got a little platform, everyone's got an opinion and that's, that's fine. Um you know, but when it comes to diet media and the number of people that have spoken to me and they're like, oh, well, I read about a study and then I read about another study and it's like, well, did you read the study or did you read a, a journalist journalist's, uh, uh, rundown of said study? Yeah. Oh, no, it was an article, but it was in the New York Times or something. It's like, well, that doesn't mean anything, you know. Yeah. Um, so in the defense of those who are really very confused, the environment has been set up to confuse. Now, they oh, haven't yeah. set the environment up to confuse us because they want us to be unhealthy. No. Set the environment up to confuse us because they want us to keep clicking. Yeah. They want us to keep clicking on the articles. They want us exactly. to, you know, here's eggs are good for you. Now eggs are bad for you. Potatoes are bad for you. You know, it's like they, they want to keep, it's just, it's a function of media. What media has become, you know, online media, um, whatever is going to keep people clicking and the algorithms know what is going to keep people clicking. So, um, again, I try to stay away from conspiratorial um, uh, narratives with this yeah. and just help people understand it's just the way it is. There's a lot of yeah. good people out there in those, um, you know, working for the meat industry. They're not all like 
um, demons who are trying to ruin our our health. You know, they're all just there trying to put meals on the plate for their own totally. family. There are well. humans who have been, they've grown mm. up under a certain narrative that is said that, okay, meat is good. Great. I'm going to be a meat producer. And then mm. that's the narrative that they live by until yeah. later on, they maybe understand that's not the case. It's, it's mm. the same as Baskin Robbins. I don't, do you remember Baskin Robbins? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's a beautiful story as well is like you grew up under, you know, the king of ice cream makers until you realize like, oh, I don't know if that ice cream is really good for people and it's potentially contributing to poor health. And so Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, the business gets handed down and you have a choice to make. Do I perpetuate this or do I move in a different direction as in John Robbins did from Diet from a New America? So you know, it all comes down and I don't believe in the, I really truly believe humans are out there to try and send their kids to school, love their families, put a roof mm-hmm. over their head. And so I agree with you. It's not conspiracy. Yeah. It's not a conspiracy, but it is that there's been systems in place and they get perpetuated. And it yeah. is what we started off with at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. It's taking responsibility for yourself mm-hmm. and people need to understand there's no one pill wonder solution out there. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, Brene Brown, this challenged me more than almost anything that she has published. And a lot of it challenged me a lot because yeah. the vulnerability stuff for me, I was like, wait a second, I'm supposed to be strong, you know? And vulnerability um, is strength. Yeah, I and know, strength is I vulnerability. Know. So, yeah. <laughs> I know, talk about it. it took me a while, but anyway, I got there. And then, so we're all practicing, but she, in one of her, her uh, what was it? Maybe I think it was in Rising Strong. She talks about, how she was challenged by her therapist who said, you know, Brene, do you think that everyone's just doing the best they can with the tools they have? And she went through this whole story as she would, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause how she's like, no way, no way, you know? And then, and of course she got to the end of it and, and I was right there in her camp, you know? Um, but yeah, everyone's just doing the best they can with the yeah. tools they have. And the more that we can really, and it's all about the tools they have, yeah. you know, the education, what have you, the environment. So um, yeah, I mean, I think if we can all start to get a little bit more compassionate and less polarized yeah. around, you know, what's right and wrong. I mean, you want to, you want to start an argument in my family, you start talking about what is the right thing and the wrong thing to eat. Yeah. I oh, think maybe in anyone's family or any in anyone's circle. family. Yeah. 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 But I mean, like for me, I, I wasn't trying to lose weight, um, when I was, going plant-based I mean it was definitely something that it was really I mean on top of everything else you know the the massive cut on my face and and um and the and the acne and then you know lo and behold that thing that women around me had been telling me was going to happen my whole life oh you're not going to be like that forever you're going to don't worry everyone gets bigger as they get older and I was just I always thought that it wouldn't happen to me but then it started happening and and lo and behold, while I was addressing everything through the lens of gut health, I was committed to that, the weight just dropped off me. And yeah. we're talking like maybe 15 to 20, I'm going to talk pounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and look, a lot of my friends would have said, yeah, we've noticed that you've put a little weight on. They wouldn't say that I was a, you know, mm. overweight person, but I wasn't even trying. I wasn't even exercising more. I was actually overtraining at the time. That was yeah. one of the issues. But um, yeah, so the weight coming off was a consequence of my gut health improving um, beyond measure, really. So, yeah, yeah know, that's, and that's just 
that's just an example of the trickle down effects that some of these little things that we can do, you know, um, can have on our overall health, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And it's important to that in this world where, you know, I always joke with my husband, I'm like, sorry, babe, I should have just marketed myself as a weight loss program. We'd be millionaires right now, as opposed to, you know, a chronic disease reversal. Um, you know, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, no. Oh, people. Yeah. But, but the beautiful thing is too, like with my clients is, you know, they eat plant-based whole food. And for most of my clients, they, you know, they're given three months to live six months to live. And so there's no exercise. Like we have to conserve every bit of mitochondrial energy for cellular regeneration and healing um, and eliminating the disease and repairing the body. And so, so exercise is not on the program. Um, And they're like, but, but I'm going to gain weight. And I'm like, trust me on this one. If you have weight to lose, you will lose it. If you have weight to gain, you will gain it. Like it's a beautiful thing because it debunks the whole caloric myth. And yeah. we have also grown up in a world where everybody is so obsessed with like over-exercising, over-training so that they can stay slim. Meanwhile, they're eating all of these foods that disrupt your hormone system, disrupt your microbiome and force you to put on weight versus, mm-hmm. you know what, just like, there's no one in my African village that is overweight, like the people, they eat plant-based whole food. It's clean, it's real, it's fresh, it's in abundance and diversity, it's in season. So it's not always available, but they eat in season. And everybody looks like Michael Jordan, like, you know, superstar athletes, and they don't train. They're not doing 80 squats a day, you know? And so so we have to debunk the myth around education, around food, around all of that. And having you on the show to um, to share your stories, I believe is the way to do that because it's, you didn't arrive where you were overnight, even with a science background and nutrition background. It was no, a journey. I made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I made a huge number of mistakes and everyone out there is, is making mistakes. Totally. You know, and, and no one, like you said, no one pill is going to solve everything. There's no one approach that's going to fit all, but a very, very small amount of, we, we call our program sometimes like the nutritional re-education that everyone needs, you know, because yeah. no one has been really educated around food. We've just had a lot of um, pseudoscience kind of drummed oh, into gosh. us really. And, and I mean, you know, we, we do a little bit, uh, we do obviously a bit of work in the weight loss world and I'll challenge you on whether or not um, it's something that you should have gone and done more of yourself because it is such a, Oh, again, like there's a lot of big players in, in that, that space. And I think everyone's trying to do good, good work in, in that, but it's massive, you know, the, what is it now? Like three quarters of, of, of our society or of our population is headed towards weight related disease or, or are already obese. Oh, already 75% and, in the U S yeah. 75% of yeah. the U S um, are yeah. overweight or obese. Yeah. And, and I just don't think that a lot of those larger businesses out there, whilst they might work for some people, you know, you take things like Noom Mm -hmm. and uh, Weight Watchers. Um, I think they're, they're, I mean, obviously they're multinational corporations. So there's going to be an issue with that um, for some people, but I just think the power of being able to talk to someone like yourself 
you know, and have that person with them along the way to answer questions and help them debunk myths, you know, and hey, my husband told me he read something and wait a second, I think what you're saying here is wrong. It's like, okay, well, let's have a quick chat about it. And I think just the, the power of community and having smaller groups or being part of a smaller group that's going to help you be accountable and have those conversations and sometimes those tough conversations that you need to have in order to shift your behaviors because at the end of the day we're talking nutrition and habits yeah you know so it's a well ours anyway is a two-pronged approach where we lay out the foundational principles of of nutrition and and plant-based nutrition and it's not veganism you know you're still allowed to to, to eat some of the things you always love to eat you just can't eat them all the time you know and but then the 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 larger part of it really is the mindset training and Mm -hmm. just um being able to unpack and understand why you do the things you do um you know why is it that you end up binging on um that box of ice cream and the tim tams on a thursday night not not just a bowl of it but the whole thing sometimes and we all have our vices you know and and so this is I mean we all this is the funny thing too it's like the information that we have to to pass on to these people in probably in your program too with what you do it's out there they can get it fairly cheap yeah everyone kind of you know they whilst they try to look for um evidence to back up uh, you know, the cognitive biases that they have around, oh, well, I really want to keep eating meat. So I'm going to try and find evidence to support exactly. that. <laughs> it just comes down to the mindset training. That's the, that's the missing link. And it's really not very sexy. No. It's not very cool. No. It's just, it's just the work you have to do if you actually want to bring about change um, in, in your life. And, and, you know, we do a lot of, um, of positive neuroscience, um oh that there's lots of little processes and exercises you get to do to actually help you you know put pen to paper or write some stuff down maybe for some people you know for the very first time in their whole lives they're like wow and we work with a lot of women who are like I haven't done it I haven't focused on me for a whole week for 12 years you know because they've got children running around and so even just the act of writing you know answering one really sort of powerful question will really start to move those cogs of change. And then the more and more and more you do of it, you end up with this like self-perpetuating snowball. Yeah. You know, once you've kind of challenged yourself on something you thought you knew, you know, um, for the very first time, it's undeniable from that point, you know. So our program's really about staying away from advising people you know, we are all about working on the pretense that, that, you know, the answers to your problems. I'm not here to tell you how to think. I'm not here to tell you, um, exactly how you should, um, run your life or do you, you don't have to get up at 5am and do 20 sun salutations. If you love doing that and that speaks to you, go for it. Yeah. So we create a structure essentially around which people can do their own work and arrive at their own answers. And that is the change that, um, 
you know, in as, as I'm sure you know, in the neuroscience world and, and when it comes to engaging and, and changing behavior, that is how it becomes sustainable, yeah. you know, because unfortunately when it comes down to that, that, the mindset coaching side of things, we live in this environment where we are disempowered by all the advising, yeah. you know, um, I've got a lot of people that I've worked with and friends especially who are like what do you think about this and what do you think about this and what should I do about that and it's like can I eat this can I eat this yeah Yeah. okay let's turn it around and read it and Mm -hmm. and so really helping it's all about taking people from that paradigm of disempowerment to empowerment where they really do feel like they can solve some of their own problems and and not need us anymore. Off yeah. you go. I don't want to see you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get them back on their own feet and and you start to see, you can always kind of hear it in their voice too. You can tell that something has shifted mm-hmm. in their subconscious processes because they have dug down into something that has has resonated with them. And I'll I'll never know what it is unless mm-hmm. they tell me one day or or sh- want to share it with us. But that's when you you hear that the tone in their voice and and just there's a light in their eye and a spark to their energy and you can tell that there are some of those deeper cogs of change that are all covered in cobwebs and um, they're all starting to get just to start moving again so that's a really beautiful part of the, the process I think working with people who are who are faced with change and are really struggling to make it happen And that's what creates the lasting change, I find, because a lot of programs that just focus on the what you need to do, like here's your meal plan, you know, just go out and buy these recipes or like the ingredients for the recipes and you just follow them. Like, and it's why 99% of people who diet, you know, they follow these really strict programs within one to three years, they gain all the weight back and more. And it's because they haven't focused on the why set. Like, why do you want to even be healthy? Like, what do you want to do with this newfound health that you're going to get? You know, what? would you you know how do you want to be in service to the world and to your family and yourself and what Mm. would that mean and so I think it's it's so important and I mean we're humans it's I I just watched 1883 I don't know if anybody out there has seen it um really fantastic um short series on tv but it's it's based on 1883 the pioneers all coming moving from the great frontier all the way up and settling all of the Americas and um And you see that in 120 years, we've gone from gun-slinging bandits and pioneers, you know, pulling carriages by horse cart, no vehicles, no electricity, no running water, to where we are today hosting podcasts and sending people to Mars and driving Teslas and the amount of, you know, we know 3% of the way the brain works in the field of neuroscience and the field of neuroscience, my friends, is really only a few decades old, like as Mm -hmm. far as like how much we've learned. Um, And so we've come so far so fast. Mm -hmm. And I really do feel we're all discombobulated right now. And it's, and we need people who understand that to make these lifestyle behavior changes that are really necessary, that we have Mm -hmm. to start making these today, because Mm -hmm. we have, you know, rapidly grown our society, but we are now on the decline Mm -hmm. when it comes to chronic diseases, mental health, they say one in one people by 2030 will have a mental health condition, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and autism. And so this needs to change. And we need coaches like yourself that are 
um, willing to work with people, not just give them like, follow this plan and you're mm -hmm. off to the races and just buy another plan, buy another plan. Mm -hmm. We need that. And it's not handholding. It's actually human connection. Yeah. It's, it's like partnering. We, yes. we're, we're, you know, we're partnering with that person and I, you know, every now and then I'll request, I'll ask my, my client, Hey, do you want me to give you a little advice here? But we, we set it all up at the beginning, you know, it's a very advice free, um, program, but people want that they come in and, you know, some of our earlier students were like, can you just give me, give me a shopping list? I mean, that that's fairly logical. Okay, cool. Here's a, here's a shopping list, but people want the how to, yeah. you know, people want the, just give me the, you know, um, make it easy somehow. And obviously that's, that's a challenge to do that because some of it is not easy. Mm -hmm. It can, it can be very simple. Like you said, the solution is quite simple when you're very familiar with the yeah. whole, um, landscape you know, um, but the whole process of, you know, connecting with core values and, and, and sometimes digging into, into stuff, into your stuff, things that you mm -hmm. think you had solved, you know, years ago that maybe you hadn't. And it's not that you need um, therapy or counseling, maybe it's just that you really have to understand what was the positive, what was the positive intention of that thing happening in your yeah. life, you know, what did you learn? And and having those really powerful conversations so people can actually really understand that they are the expert. You know, mm -hmm. they, they they do have, and there are how-tos everywhere. Yeah. And if how-tos worked, then we wouldn't have the problems that we have. Exactly. You know, but we are disempowered by, I mean, you know, all you have to do is scroll on Instagram for 15 minutes and type in like, weight loss story or something and you've got everyone out there who's just trying to get a click they're just trying yeah. to get a like they're just trying to maybe yeah. boost their own business and put a meal on the table for their family totally. but they're all selling the same um disempowering messages yeah. you know look at me this is how I did it and I've got this yeah. brand and blah 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 blah, blah. and you yeah. know so yeah it's it's a it's a massive machine out there that we're all tangled up in. And um, I think in a way, like helping people understand that there is a way out. Mm -hmm. It's not rocket science, nope. you know, nope. and <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just about really committing to, like we just said, like you said before, at the start of this podcast is taking ownership of the situation yourself and really, and trying something new as well. Like yeah. if eating a heap of meat and and cutting carbs out of your diet and and you know taking shakes and smoothies and doing all that crap if it really worked you know yeah. there wouldn't be there wouldn't be so many people in the prop in the situation that they are yeah yeah now I'm glad that you I'm glad that you gave us some insight into how you work with your clients because that's really hard that's really helpful yeah. it's super important for people to understand um that that they need the how-to, they need to understand the why, they need somebody who's going to support them through that. Yeah. Um, and just like, you know, the, you know, Andre Agassi didn't become a famous tennis coach or tennis player just simply mm. by learning how to, you know, hit a ball over the net. Like it took a coach mm. to work beside him and work through mm. mindset and work through, um, you can tell how old I am by the fact that I'm referencing Andre Agassi, but um, I know who that is. <laughs> good. Okay, good, perfect. Come on. I'm sure there's some people out there who are going to be like, uh, legend. You could have referenced, 
yeah, a few other people who are a little bit more current right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like no athlete works without a coach and, you know, without being, so it's important to understand that that's probably who you want to yeah. look for. Um, unless you're that type of personality, who's just willing to like put all other emotions aside and then just get to the plan and stick to it, mm-hmm. but sticking to it long-term, we often need to understand it's a little exception. bit more about ourselves. Yeah. It's the exception, not the rule. Like we, mm-hmm find that there are some people who are just like right okay I need to change I'm just going to go and do it and change and usually those people turn around to us six months down the line and they'll say you know what I thought I didn't need all that mindset crap but it was the work that I did there that kept me going when I wanted to go back to some of my old habits which happens to everyone it doesn't matter how strong you know, you think you are, but I think in a way, a lot of people don't understand the notion of coaching. It's always attached mm-hmm. to the um, landscape of sports coaching. Um, I mean, people are pretty, I think, cognizant of it in a professional yeah, um, business coaching. Setting, business or... and, yeah. And we say to people, like, if you had a big job opportunity opening up in your in your division or in your in your mm-hmm. workplace what would you do to get that job yeah. well you're probably going to connect with a mentor or a coach totally. or someone who's going to help you dial in that resume you're going to do interview practice you're going to there's a whole process you're probably going to go through yeah. you know um and and why because it's really important yeah. you know getting that job is really important it's important for your family it's important for you However, when people come to us with these chronic health problems and yeah. we'll say, hey, have you, have you ever connected with anyone before to help you through this? They're like, oh, no, no, I've, I've, I've done yeah. Noom and, uh, and I bought a book. Um, yeah. It's still sitting on my bedside table, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, and, and I've been reading diet media, like I scroll all the time. Yeah, I get Google yeah. notifications all the time about, you know, and it's like, wow. You know, yeah. I like a, a lot of recipes. Series. I like a yeah. lot of recipes on Instagram, but I don't actually make them. <laughs> Come following an influencer on Instagram who looks fantastic, and she makes in uh, in yoga pants, and she makes some really great looking meals and and whatever. But yeah. you know, and I guess it's just that um, it's just people can't. Some people struggle to look at where they are now, yeah. and and just that lighting up that um, prefrontal cortex and helping them understand where things are going to go to in the future. Yeah. That future focused thinking, so they're unable to to make that connection. But you know, yeah. this is something that is, will become a problem in their lives in 10, 15 years, and the problem won't be fixable. You know, in yeah. that in that time, so yeah. that's quite often a bit of a light bulb moment where. Yeah, I think a lot of people aren't there where they're like, oh, I actually need to to really sort this out now, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I'm, and like, let's not even start talking about cholesterol because that, that all feeds into, you know, yeah. what's the name of the doctor who's pushing that meat only diet? Oh, I've heard about him. And well, I mean, then there's so many doctors yeah. out there that are like that. And, yeah. and this is, um, again, like, I don't want to say it's conspiracy. I don't want to say anything, but it's a person who truly believes in what they're teaching. And so then they're mm-hmm. out there pushing these things or like the night, don't eat nightshades and don't eat, you know, there's like all of these people. And at the end of the day, we're human. We have the ability to eat this broad diversity of beautiful 
phytorich nutrient mm. foods. And it is really simple, actually. We don't yeah. have to complicate it with all of these, you know, meat only or this only or that mm. only. And I would say that should be a red flag for anybody who's saying like that it's it's just this one, you know, food group as opposed yeah. to the diversity and the plethora of foods that are available to us mm. everywhere. Most of them that we mow over just so we can have green grass, but that yeah. stuff is edible too, right? Like, um, yeah. you know, and so it is, um, yeah, it is challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, as we, as ritual always likes to say, land the plane, I got to come up mm-hmm. with one of those, um, those sayings to wrap up the show. Yeah. I have to go catch a ferry. I want to get your podcast um, edited and out there to the world. Mm-hmm. So tell us where people can reach you and how they can start working with you. Sure. So probably the best place would be to jump on Facebook. We have a business page there, Tuvita Health and Leadership Coaching. We're also online, tuvitacoaching.com. And we've got a little Instagram handle there as well, Tuvita Health. And we can give you a little link to all those things in we'll have them the, in show the show notes, notes. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And if anyone is interested to see a little bit more of the um of the inner workings, I guess, of of our program and, and how we address things, we have a free webinar for people to watch that is available on our website. And we've also got a private group where we can um you can jump in and have a look and and see um if it's a good fit for you, really. Because at the end of the day, everyone needs help everyone needs support everyone needs someone to guide uh to to partner with and I always say to people it mightn't be me yeah just go find someone find someone who has done this before who has is either experienced success themselves with other people has a system that they can replicate results with go and find that person and go and work with them yeah. you know, because this is your health and it's the amount of money you're about to spend on tests and surgeries and stents and, yeah. you know, medications it is going to trump any amount of money that you might spend working with a professional who truly knows how to get you there. So yeah, that's, that's, that's really well said. And I think the important point I want to highlight there is when you're working with anybody, you want to make sure that they have gotten other people similar results. They've been able to help that person get results. And so that's where you just have to be discerning. And it's just taking the time to ask the you know, question, you know, who have you worked with before? What were their results? Did they get them really strictly through your program? Oh, you know, I see a lot of things on Instagram where, you know, everybody likes to use acronyms or abbreviations and, you know, Mm -hmm. they'll say, oh, I got this way from working out in the gym this many days a week. But then you look and if you actually dig in a bit further, you're like, oh, but you had reconstructive bowel surgery and stomach surgery to lose that weight. So you're not getting the actual full story so it's Mm -hmm. really important just like you shared your story you know about trying all of these things and Mm -hmm. you know it you know we don't know was it just the diet or was it the Mm -hmm. microabrasion and you know it's good to know the whole story because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a combination of a few things the Mm -hmm. end result though is that we want to get the result Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, so, yeah, and, and, and also too, like on that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people trying, you know, working in that health coaching space and um, I'm not going to, you know, um, make a judgment on the validity of someone's program until I've seen it the whole way through. Yeah. But there are a lot of people out there as well who are just pushing 
products and hundred percent and there's multi-level marketing um, programs out there that are being sold by a person who's saying they're a health coach but then when you connect with them you learn that they're actually part of um, I'm not going to say any labels or brands yeah. or anything but they're actually just selling you a bunch of meal replacements and pills totally. and potions and powders and that is not going to do anything no. in the long run it's been proven by science so yeah. you know unfortunately that is the landscape when it comes to to the client you know the, the guest out there looking for someone to work with so being aware yeah. of those things is really really important yeah no that's really important to know because yeah. they're yeah. And I have teenage girls and they come to me all the time with things that they saw on TikTok and they're like, I can just drink lemon juice and maple syrup. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work that way. So yes. Um, yeah. You said that very well. It's really important for people to look into it and know that there's going to be a little bit of work, but with the right person behind you, it could be actually be fun. It doesn't have to be work. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. Yes. We yeah. focus a lot on fun. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. I like to keep it real. <laughs> yeah. No, which is so yeah. important. And, so and also too, like, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm, yeah. there's things I'm still working on with my health. I am, you know, it's not as though I think sometimes people feel a little bit intimidated by um, working with someone because they're like, oh, you know, she's going to be all perfect. And, mm -hmm. you know, and it's going to make me feel like shit because that's what, you know, I remember that. Totally. And um, yeah, like we've, we're all, no one, no one is doing diet and lifestyle hundred percent correct, you know, and no oh, one ever wow. will. Right. But we need more people to be doing it incorrectly, yeah. you know, than, um, than what we have right now, just get in and have a go and start doing yeah. something until you find that thing that's going to work for you. Yeah. No, yeah. Again, really well said. Um, yeah, no, I, everyone knows on this podcast, I'm like salt and vinegar chips are my vice. And you know, Miss Vicky's. <laughs> yes, I know. it's like, why? And so, and I have my own work to do around that, you know? And, oh. and so, yeah, nobody's perfect, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I love it. How you said it at the beginning, like, you know, if you got anything out of this podcast, just please go out there and get a diversity of vegetables and fruits and legumes yeah. and whole beans in your diet. Like, please just do that. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you missed everything else about this show, then um, yeah. just start doing start with that place. Um, and then of course, go out there and find a beautiful coach to work with like yourself at Tuvita yeah. um, Health Coaching. We'll have all the links in the show notes so that you will be able to find Demelza Clay out there in the world in beautiful Okanagan, BC. So thank you, Demelza, for being here on thank you. our yes. show. Welcome back. And as promised, wasn't that an incredible show with Demelza Clay? And just to let you know, at the time of the recording, Demelza was a full-time health coach, but now she has gone back to um, coaching, ski coaching. And so if people want to get in touch with her, though, she has offered to give people free access to her coaching services, her online course and online coaching for big picture skiing. So please get in touch with her through the links below and you can get the support that you need through Demelza that way. Now, if anybody was listening to this episode and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I would love to be a health coach like myself or Demelza or you know anybody else that you know that is actually getting results for people, then I encourage you to book a call with us and sign up for our nutrition and detox coaching certification program. We teach you the full science of reversing chronic diseases. It takes three months. We've trained physicians, naturopaths, lawyers, um, health, other health practitioners, 
uh, stay-at-home moms, uh, dads who homeschool their kids. We have we've been training all um, individuals from all different backgrounds all across North America, Vietnam, Malaysia. Um, we have students everywhere, and we would love for you to become one of our nutrition and detox coaches because there are 222 million people across North America that are battling a chronic disease that is fully reversible. And right now in North America, we spend about $3.9 trillion managing and treating easy to reverse chronic diseases. Imagine what we could do as a continent with $3.9 trillion. That actually represents 90% of our healthcare spending. So we need to band together to be able to support 22 million people. That's all we need to help 22 million people in reversing their chronic diseases. Because I'm here to tell you, when you help someone reverse a chronic disease, they automatically inspire other people to turn to food as medicine to reverse their chronic diseases. And they inspire 10 more people, family members, colleagues, friends, relatives. And when we do this, this is how we are going to crush the chronic disease epidemic. So if you are looking for a new career where you can help people reverse their chronic diseases and at the same time make a healthy living doing so, then please reach out to us at the link below and you can book a call to become a nutrition and detox coach. We'll answer all your questions and you can join our amazing cohort of students that have graduated and are in the program now. We would love to see you become our next NND coach. Thanks everyone for listening to this podcast and stay tuned for the next episode. Have an amazing day. Oh,